Coming up today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we recap the Toronto Raptors loss last night. Did Miles Bridges have the best game of his career? Did Dwayne Bacon have the best passing game of his career? Did Devontae Graham have the worst game of the season? We're speaking in absolutes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, and this. I swear you love to hear yourself talk sometimes. I don't even remember that one. <laughs> if you're feeling goosey. <laughs> you've never, you've never heard that? Maybe I, made, maybe I made that up. Yeah, goosey. Just feel a little loosey-goosey. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. The reserves I made fun of yesterday, they got mad at me. One in particular, Terrence Davis, got mad at me, took out took it all out on me 23 points for Terrence Davis to help the Raptors win 112 to 110 against the Charlotte Hornets last night what a great game that was Doug did you enjoy yourself last night Terrence Davis got mad at you I mean clearly he was mad at Terry Rozier or maybe maybe it was the other way around I saw Rod say that Rod Boone from the Athletics say that Terry was yapping at Terrence but it seemed to, to be the other way around at the end of that game there it seemed to be Terrence the rookie doing a little bit of yapping at, at Terry Rozier, who missed that final shot in overtime, and then Rozier responding. Yeah, it, it was almost like he was being goaded into it, and Terry at first started to ignore it and walk away, and then eventually um, had, you know, had something to say to Terrence. Here's my breakdown of that play. Okay. Terrence Davis got excited, and I think he was kind of talking a little bit at Terry Rozier, but not directly to him, just kind of saying stuff. Terry Rozier decided, you know what, I'm not going to let that go. Then he turns around and comes at Terrence. When you look at the reaction, Terrence Davis looks at Terry, and Terrence is like, well, what, me? What? Oh, what did I do? I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? Listen, and then Terrence, he puts his hand in Terrence's face. Terrence grabs it, and then all of a sudden, it's the whole hold me back. Once the Raptors teammates come about, then Terrence starts to try to be all about it. I don't I, think I don't I, think the TD yeah. wants any any part of TR. I don't either. I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to put that. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't think Terrence Davis wants any part of Terry Rozier. Not Youngstown. He don't want any part of Youngstown. Terry v. Terry. Yeah. Uh, so great Terry- game. Fantastic game. I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the Hornets lose. They lose a tough one in overtime. You know, maybe Serge Ibaka walked. He certainly. I don't think he fouled, or I don't think Terry Rozier fouled him on that final possession for the Raptors. So yeah, tough result. But ultimately. We can't again. We can't be not about the wins and losses, and also about the wins and losses. I think the Hornets did some very right. good things in this game. We can talk about those. They did. Uh, they did a few bad things. We can talk about those. But ultimately, you have to be excited that this team uh, was was playing hard for more than forty eight minutes and almost came away with a victory against a team that yes, they were missing players, but this team, the Raptors, they've been playing very tough without some of their top players. So this was no gimme, uh, despite what everyone on Twitter made it sound like, that just because they're missing Pascal Siakam, that all of a sudden this becomes a winning game. No, this is a good franchise without stars. Well, I, I like the way I like the way that you made that sound because you're acting like just Thank you. because they're missing Pascal Siakam and that's it. Then they should have won. It's like, oh well. And Fred Van Vliet. Oh, oh okay. And Norman Powell. Get out of here, oh, Fred well, Van Vliet. Yeah. <laughs> Norman Powell. Who? No, more like Normal Powell. 
maybe there's a few other guys that they were missing just a little bit that made that a little bit more of an exaggeration. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Find me on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. And the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Doug, where do you want to start? Do you want to start at the end of the game and break that down? Or do you want to start in chronological order and go with the first quarter? I say we go to the first quarter because normally in a game like this that goes to overtime, you would start at the end. But I love how the Hornets came out in this game, especially after uh, the way they ended the game against Indiana. I really wanted them to pick up this win because they've lost a lot of games at home. Uh, But I love the fact that they came out, started with great team defense. They were locked in from the jump. It turned into a bunch of Devontae Graham threes on offense. And the reason that it worked for them is because Toronto is a good defensive team despite missing players, and they didn't allow Toronto to get that defense all the way set. They were getting stops on the defensive end and then pushing the ball quickly. When this team plays with pace, when Devontae Graham, when Terry Rozier, when Miles Bridges is pushing the basketball, this team is going to have a much better opportunity to score than when they're forced to play half-court offense, and I thought they did a good job of that in the first quarter. Miles Bridges had five three-pointers in the first quarter, right? I mean, to set to set a career high, really right off of the bat. I, I know he had, maybe it was five in the first half, I should say. I think it was three in the first quarter that Miles Bridges had. But Miles was fantastic. Look, I, I've and, been saying all year, just give him time. You know, he's mm-hmm. a good shooter. He just needs a little time. Just be patient. Everyone was jumping to conclusions with Miles Bridges. Not me. No, sir. I said, give him time. No, he had a lot of criticism, and I think you were the only one that was coming to bat for Miles Bridges saying, everybody, slow down a little bit. He does a lot of things for us on offense. I mean, a lot of people were asking, what does he do for us on offense? Ridiculous. An answer. But you were saying, no, give him time. He will do a lot of things for us on offense. And, Doug, I think you saw him be more aggressive in transition in this game. You You actually saw a dunk from him in transition. Of course, you noticed the three-point shooting that he had. Five was the career high. He tied that very early, was able to hit one in the second half right off the bat. So the six three-pointers that he hit, five of them were in the first half. And then the sixth one was, I think, before he even hit the 10-minute mark in the third quarter. And then he didn't hit another three after that. But still, enough damage done early to say that was a really good game. I'll ask you this question now. I know we wanted to kind of go through the maybe the plays and the quarters, but... Was that the best game of Miles Bridges' career? I mean, I think so, without getting the W. I mean, I, certainly it was his best shooting performance. I thought I thought defensively, too, at least in the first half, I was noticing him being locked in on defense. I mean, he was part of, of the reason they were able to get up in the first quarter because he was playing really good off-ball defense. That's something he struggled with this season, but he seemed aware. He seemed locked in. He seemed like he was moving around and invested in getting stops on that end of the floor. And... I, I got to give it up to him. I mean, there were a lot of players in this game that have been struggling lately that stepped up and and good because Devontae Graham put up kind of a stinker shooting-wise. Terry Rozier had a much better uh, second half than he did first half and, and a good overtime period as well. Uh, but they needed contributions from Miles Bridges. They needed the contributions they got from Dwayne Bacon. And also Malik Monk, I thought, responded well. Listen, if you don't think these guys listen to the podcast, I got another thing coming for you because <laughs> – you know, they just keep responding. Every time we criticize them, they step up, they have a great game. And then they slide, they backslide right back into their habits, and then we'll criticize them again. Devontae Graham was good in the first quarter, and that was pretty much it. 
I thought Devontae Graham was really, really bad in this game. In fact, you want to talk about worst game of the season almost for Devontae Graham. Look, the first quarter was good enough to where maybe that it can stave off that title. Doug, I almost thought that Devontae couldn't hold on to the basketball. Stinky. I, I, I challenge you to go watch that game again and see how many almost turnovers he had on top of already the turnovers that he committed. There were so many almost assists where he was just a little bit late. He couldn't hold on to the basketball. Uh, some decisions that were just a hair late. I A million times that happened to Devontae, where, of course, you saw that he hit a couple threes early and then didn't hit any other shot besides one late on a Terry Rozier assist or yeah. Dwayne Bacon assist. I, I forget it was late in the game. but It was off I, Rozier. It was, okay, it was so a it was Rozier, Rozier steal. I think, yeah, that yeah. was... So those two working together very well once again. Devontae Graham hits that three. But, man, I, I thought he was awful in this one. As much as I love Devontae in, in this game, I thought he was really bad. Well, he missed a cut. Well, he obviously missed the shot in regulation uh, that would have ended the game. But then also I feel like there were a couple of game-deciding plays. Could have could have put the game away for the Charlotte Hornets late in the fourth quarter uh, that where he had opportunities inside and he simply missed and and I think and I and I put this on Twitter at Doug Branson LOH by the way if you want my thoughts before I I say them on the pod, um, I thought I think that once he starts hitting some of these shots within ten feet that he's been just routinely missing and and look they are as clean of a look as you're going to get inside in the NBA especially. Uh, with the size that Devontae doesn't have. like I mean, not many looks are going to be clean for him inside, but he's got to find a way to finish them. They're as clean as they can be, and and he's missing them. And whether it's a floater, whether it's getting a little contact inside and finishing the layup, he's just missing these shots. And once he starts hitting those, I'll be comfortable with saying Devontae Graham is an all-star. But you can't miss those shots and then some, you know, declare you an all-star. To me, if he were an all-star, it would be a total indictment of the way the game is played uh, as of late. It would be it would be admitting that it's all about the three, baby. You you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to be competent in anything else in terms of scoring offensively as long as you can hit threes. I just don't believe that. I believe you need to have different levels to your offensive to your scoring game, and and I'm just not seeing that from Devontae Graham yet. Well, it was weird because Devontae, it felt like it was going to be a Devontae fire moment where he just can't miss. We've seen these games before. And then he airballs a couple of three-pointers in the second quarter where they were just ugly shots. You mentioned some of those two-pointers that he missed. Doug, he missed a wide-open layup that would have been big at the end of this game. Just wide open. And then at the very end of this game where it could have given them, I believe, a five-point lead, Devontae Graham comes up short on the reverse layup where it was look contested a little bit but overall I thought he could have hit that and Devontae was really mad at himself for not being able to hit it so you talk about all the turnovers all the potential assists that he could have had I mean any one of those assists that actually land if he's able to get his hands on the basketball it's it's almost it's almost like he was sweating profusely from his hands to where he could not grip the ball I mean I, I was questioning his grip at one point it was so bad it was really weird watching him play this game yesterday you say he needs to wear gloves needs to Wonder, are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to wear anything on your hands? I can't imagine. That'd you be are. fine. Now I do remember. Get some I had an Iverson finger band, right? Like a sweat guard, but it was like an Iverson finger sweat guard. I remember they made those. I don't know if you're allowed to wear those. Anymore. Do your hands sweat a lot? Are you a sweaty hand guy? Not really. Me I, I, I don't like sweat at all. It's weird. Games. 
Yeah, that is weird. I do. Now, I'm, I mean, I'm not a not sweaty guy. I feel like I sweat pretty normally. My hands got to get sweaty. It's really odd. Like, I have to be out for us. I have to be outside. The temperature has to be above 70 degrees, and I have to be outside for a a long time before I really start sweating. I'm just not a sweaty guy. That's a beautiful thing. I wish I had that skill. That's a skill, Doug. You should be proud of it. We'll talk a little bit more about this game against the Toronto Raptors. (laughs) That might be true. Yeah, you can either be proud of it or you can go to the doctor and get that checked out. We'll talk a little bit more about the Raptors next year on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Are you the type of fan that knows basketball so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, my bookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. And if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code locked on, all one word, to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on to take advantage of this generous sign up offer from my bookie. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Uh, this is Locked On Hornets. Do that again. This is Locked On Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. As bad as the second quarter was for the Hornets, it was a pretty good first quarter for the Hornets, bad second quarter. I really thought it was a good third quarter for them, and this is when they went on the big run. I think they had a 16 to nothing run in this quarter, Doug, if I'm not mistaken. I'll look it up. That was it. Yeah, that was it was a really good um I thought it was a really good quarter for them. Malik Monk got going in the third quarter. How about seven assists for Malik? It's why you said that these players listen to our podcast. We talked about the lack of aggressiveness on Malik's part, not getting involved in the passing game. And yet here Malik comes out in this one again, seven assists pretty early, missed a couple of free throws that make you shake your head. That was frustrating. Actually missed a couple of shots at the rim, but still he was involved. Malik Monk was engaged and that's way more than you can say really the last four games for Malik Monk. At least you could tell that he played for the Charlotte Hornets and he did some really good things for them. This was a crazy kind of up and down game. So Nine minutes uh, to go in the third quarter, and the Raptors starters versus the Hornets starters as the Hornets are starting to leak their bench into the rotation go on an 11-1 to run, and they make it 76-65. to And then uh, you had that run at the very end of the third quarter, which was a 13-2 to run for the Charlotte Hornets, led uh, substantially by Malik Monk, but also Dwayne Bacon. I was really – I think that Bacon has certainly – improved somewhat and earned the rotation minutes that he has received. But I haven't, until last night, been impressed by what I've seen with Bacon. I thought he's definitely not doing negative things, but I haven't seen him do many positive things. But I loved him at the end of that third quarter. He snagged away a tough defensive rebound from Boucher. He forced a turnover with active hands that led to a monk and one. And ultimately, it was a six-point swing after those Zeller free throws and then he hit the triple to end that quarter again on a 13 to 2 run that put the 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 lead back into the Hornets hands I believe or or no, they may have been down one at the end of the third quarter and then they opened the fourth quarter again same bench unit 
with another 13-2 run. So total that up between the very, I'd say, the last four minutes of the, of the third quarter through the first half of the fourth quarter, they go on a 26-4 to run to take that big lead that they would ultimately sacrifice going into the four, uh, at the end of the fourth quarter and then in overtime. But hell of an effort by the Hornets' bench that really saved them from a really stinky performance from Devontae Graham. I thought this was Dwayne Bacon's best passing game of the year and maybe even what I've seen from him in his entire career so far. I thought Miles Bridges probably had the best game of his career, and I thought Dwayne Bacon had the best passing game of his career. Only two assists for Dwayne, but Doug, when I watched Dwayne Bacon in this game, it seemed like a guy that's starting to figure it out just a little bit more. I've talked about this the last couple of podcasts as he's been getting more run. It just seems like Dwayne is starting to hit shots a little bit higher clip, you know, make a little bit smarter decisions. But I thought there were times where he actually legitimately created for other guys. And that's way more than I can say for <laughs> any other game that Dwayne Bacon has ever played. I thought there was a couple times where he kicked it out at well. Now, maybe there was a, a few times that he went inside the pain and you know had the classic Dwayne Bacon drives towards the basket and you know, wants the contact, doesn't get the foul call because he never does, and then throws it off the backboard. I, I think maybe there was one shot like that. That was it, uh, only one missed shot for him, so there's only one shot like that. I, I was really impressed with Dwayne Bacon last night, and I'm happy because I, I want that guy to be good as much as it seems he loves the game of basketball or at least verbally loves the game of basketball more than anybody else on that team. He talks about it more, asked to go down and play with the Greensboro Swarm. I really wanted him to have a good year. And after he really struggled at the beginning of the season, the fact that he's starting to get a little bit more run and it seems like he's starting to figure it out, that I'm, I'm happy about that. I hope he continues that play. Yeah, same here. Um T- yeah, tough loss for the Charlotte Hornets. I, I don't know. Was it the right move to give it to Devontae Graham at the end of regulation? I mean, he was 2 of 12 at that point. Really, I mean, 0 of 10, you know, if you don't count the two three-pointers that he hit at the very beginning of the game. He was just having an awful shooting night, and they draw up an iso play for him at the end of the game. I know the Hornets have been better in, in clutch time this year, but it's be, been because they've had a few players that you could give the ball to at the end of games. It's not just been Devontae Graham. So was that the right move, Walker? Yeah, I I like Devontae Graham having the basketball in those late-game situations. Look, we remember, we we can go to the Cleveland game where Devontae Graham struggled. Do what? You don't need three, though. That's my that's my issue with it. No, you don't no, need three points. I'm with you. I'm, I'm okay with it. I, look, I, I didn't think the shot was great, but when you look at what Devontae Graham has done in those situations before, you know he hit the big shot against Brooklyn. He hit the big shot against Cleveland. I know they're both three-pointers, but also maybe you just don't have him drive inside. I mean, if he's a better three-point shooter, then maybe you just have Devontae shoot that shot or at least try to create for somebody, right? I mean, maybe that's a play that could have been run but it wasn't, and I, I don't mind giving the ball to Devontae. I mean, it wasn't a great, the greatest play in the world, but I don't mind Devontae Graham being the player with the basketball in his hands at that moment because he's hit big shots after cold nights before, and it just didn't happen this time. No, that's fine, but you, all you need is two. You got lucky to get that free, the, the technical free throw because Abaka fouls P.J. Washington before the ball is in. I mean, you are gifted that first point, so now you only need two. I think you go back at that point. I know they didn't have any timeouts, 
But I think I think you change the play quickly and try to get the ball into Rozier's hands. You saw what he was able to do against Dallas. The guy at the, at the end of games, his legs are just better mm. than the other team's legs. He can get to the rim. He did it in overtime. I mean, he was Rozier was the more clutch player, even though he missed the shot at the end of the game. He was still the more clutch player in overtime, knocking down buckets inside. He can finish layups. I think. Look, if if you think there's a future with Rozier on this team then I think you got to give him the ball at the end of games every once in a while. And I just would have opted for him. But maybe maybe it's a signal that they are looking to move on with Graham in the future and not Rozier. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's, no, rec- Ter- maybe that's rec- reckless speculation, but I'm going to go with it. No, that's fine. I don't mind that at all. I, I, do, I mean, I agree with you. Terry Rozier was the more clutch player in this game. How about that steal, the cookies moment from Terry Rozier to be able to provide the Hornets with a bucket on the other end. And he hit a couple of big threes in this one. I, I thought the last three that Terry Rozier hit iced it. I if thought, I'm Terry okay, Rozier, yeah. I'm angry. If I'm Terry Rozier, I'm angry after that game. Not at Terrence Davis. I'm angry at the team. Like, hey, maybe give me the ball in with the chance to win the game in regulation. I mean, all, all I did was help you win that game against you know Dallas. I mean, I, I've proved myself, right? Well, no, he was really good. Saying. He was really good. And it, it goes to show you... I, you look at that $18 million contract. Now it's a decelerator, but I mean, we've talked about Terry Rogier's contract when it was up for the GM poll or front office exec poll or whatever. You know, it was voted, I think, as tied for the worst move in the league. Doug, I know you and I came on the podcast and discussed how Terry Rogier, uh, we didn't think it was the worst move in the league. Wasn't the greatest, but also we thought it was overblown. And I think that's absolutely proven to be true to the point where. I mean, look, $18 million, probably still too much, but it's not the worst contract by a long shot. I mean, it's fine. It certainly has value, especially when you're talking about one of the best catch-and-shoot players in the NBA right now. I think Devontae has helped him a lot. I mean, I don't think this was a plan of, hey, we're going to bring in Terry Rozier, play Terry and Devontae this many minutes together. I mean, it's certainly a surprise that Devontae has been this good, and it helps Terry, but also, okay, so you're saying, a, a, yeah, a a better player helps other players. Sure. Like that, that's the case for a lot of different players in the NBA. So the fact that it's true for Terry Rogier as well, I don't mind that at all. And I also don't mind your point about giving the ball to Terry Rogier at the end of regulation. And even at the end of um, overtime, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other storylines going around in the NBA next in the final segment on the locked on Hornets podcast. This is locked on Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh, man, dinner dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I swear you love to hear yourself talk sometimes. I don't even remember that one. <laughs> if you're feeling goosey. <laughs> Good. You've never, you've never heard you- that? Maybe I made maybe I made that up. Yeah, goosey. Just feel a little loosey goosey. Swinging lunch into dinner. I what are you even talking about? I don't know. Leftovers producer Katie. She has to lunch lunch into dinner. If you're if you're feeling goosey, she's got. I didn't even even know that existed. She's got to deal with this every day. You got to ask her. Hey, can I say a couple more things about Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier? If you're feeling goosey, so. So on Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, we know that this backcourt is unplayable on a good team, on a team that's actually competing for the playoffs. They they simply they're not going to be able to defend elite lineups with size. They're probably unstartable. 
Are we still saying unplayable? Unst- un- well, unstartable and unplayable for significant minutes, yes. I mean, you would you would find a way to get them on the court together for stretches, but this is not this is not something that you would want to play for extended minutes because good teams are going to know how to expose it. In fact, in this game against Toronto, I felt like Kyle Lowry figured out a way at the end of the game to get to finally get some clean looks at the rim, attacking in transition. Rozier, I didn't feel like was able to to contain him enough. So we know. I just I think I know that this is unsustainable in the long term, and so really I think this whole season has got to be about figuring out who you want to go with long term. Because I don't think Terry Rozier is going to be really satisfied coming off the bench if they want to stick with Devonte Graham as your lead guard, and I think it would be uh, a high crime and a misdemeanor to not uh, put Devonte Graham into the game for significant minutes and get him uh, to start out hot from the three point line. I mean, we we saw what he did in that in that first quarter. You want that. Uh, game in, game out. So uh, it's a difficult position that the Hornets are in, and I think it's why it's interesting to pay attention to what they do at the end of games in terms of who gets the basketball, who has the responsibility, because to me that signals who they're going to go with long term. Well, I mean, it, it, it's not a question. I mean, you just call it a high crime and a misdemeanor if you don't put Devontae Graham in the game. That That's your answer. And you're you're going to go with the guy that's on a small contract that isn't making $18 million and also has demonstrated at least to a point where we were discussing whether Devontae Graham should be in the Eastern Conference All-Star game. Terry Rozier is having a career year, and the guy's shooting 42%, 39% from three and still not playing nearly as well as the second-year player in the league right now. But also right, you're go, going with Devontae. Right, and go and look at the on-off numbers on, on NBA.com slash stats or stats.nba.com, whatever the URL is. Go look at the on-off numbers when Devontae Graham is off the floor and Terry Rozier is on. Rozier gets worse. When, and But vice versa, it's not the other way around. Devontae Graham uh, it plays at about the same level whether Terry Rozier is on the floor or whether he's off the floor. So, you know, however much stock you want to put into that, I mean, that's the, those are just the facts. The Devontae Graham doesn't get worse when Rozier leaves. Rozier offensively, uh, the team is worse when it's just Rozier and no Devontae Graham. Well, Devontae has saved Terry from himself. Uh, Devontae probably has allowed Terry to make more money. Devontae has given Terry some money in this regard because we expected Terry Rozier to be someone that dominated the basketball and because of that, be the team's leading scorer and probably the team's best player. But Devontae, with his resurgence, with his play that we all didn't expect, the fact that he's been so good and he's dominated the basketball, he's allowed Terry Rozier to be a catch-and-shoot basketball player. Because when, when, Terry, when Terry tries to ISO, I mean, there's a couple times I think he's really good and being aggressive and attacking the basket. I, I actually think the last few games, I, I really like the way that Terry attacks the basket and he's able to finish down low. But he's been really good at catching passes and shooting three-pointers. And so when you look at that skill set unlocked to this degree – then Devontae saved Terry from himself. And so it doesn't make me surprised at all to hear that stat that you just rattled off. Uh, go ahead, Doug. Well, I just want to talk about player development because I think this game signaled a lot about maybe the future direction of the Charlotte Hornets because we talk a lot about player development. And I know that a lot of fans, they want to see young guys playing as quickly as possible, these second-round picks, the 
the G League guys, the two-way players, because they see examples of this happening in Miami with the Silvas, and the, you see examples of it happening in Toronto with the Boucher's. Well, it's Miami's like, not even fair at this point, right? Well, right. Exactly. Well, Toronto might not be fair either, but I yeah. think like player development and scouting, they're not very sexy things, Walker. Um, it's, it's sexy to want to see a young player play, but it's not sexy to figure out which of those players can actually play and can and actually deserve time on the floor. But when you have it aligned, when you have it locked in like Miami does and like Toronto does, it's crazy. I mean, how much talent you can lose from those teams and them still be viable uh, in the NBA. And Hornets, in contrast, over the past seven to eight years, they haven't even been able to weather the loss of Cody Zeller. Like we, this team loses Cody Zeller and it falls apart. Like to, <laughs> that so would th- drive you nuts. Whatever. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the difference. You know, well, it drove me nuts when we talked about it at the time when Zeller was gone. Everybody's like, "Oh man, Zeller, an important part of this team." I'm like, "No, it's just that they got nobody else." <laughs> you refuse to believe it. <laughs> I refuse to believe that Cody is this important. Not only on I can't, a I can't NBA do it. team, but an NBA team, period. One that actually just exists within the confines of the association. I refuse to believe Cody matters that much. But we have a lot of young players, Doug, that are contributing for this team in a way that we just did not expect them to. P.J. Washington has been great. Devontae, I mean, we've gone through that storyline a million times. Is this the most entertaining Hornets team that we've seen since 2014? I'm not quite ready to say that because I remember, I don't have like a super short memory. I do remember that playoff season with Jeremy Lin, and Lin was having a, a little bit of a second moment, not, certainly not on the level of Lin's sanity, but he was playing very well for the Charlotte Hornets. Kemba was just at the beginning of his rise to prominence. You still had Big Al, Nick Batum, was playing like the player we thought Nick Batum was going to be before he wasn't. And so that team, to me, they seemed like they could get into the playoffs and and dust it up, and they just fell just short against Miami. But to me, that still was the more fun team, the more fun experience. But it's cool to see these young players. But they still have all of these veterans on the roster right now that, look, I mean, I have so much respect for what Marvin Williams does but I would, I want to see Robert Franks. You know, I want to see some of these young players, but I get what Borrego's doing. You have to play some of these veterans who have earned time, like Marvin Williams, uh, like Cody Zeller. You got to play these guys because that's how you establish trust with the rest of your roster. But I can't wait till some of those veterans start to leave the books and they have more flexibility to bring up a guy like McDaniels or Simmons or Franks. And let's see what those guys can do. You know, that's I'm looking forward to that. Next season might be the most fun Hornets team I've seen in quite a while. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you the last show of the week tomorrow. Thanks again for joining us on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's get goosey. 